Do you believe that God is holy? Do you believe that where God is, because of who he is, he transformed that environment? Okay. What gives you legal access to your own residence? Some of you, I heard that. Some of you said you paid or are paying for it. You are either paying rent or you are paying the bank. But somehow you feel like you have the right to put the key within the lock at any time and to enter at free will. Well, let me say this, see if you respond. Good morning. Good morning, fellow aliens. May I say that this place is not your home. I know you have spent a lot of time trying to secure the landscape and uh, making sure the house is well painted and decorated and furnished. Uh, but I have to tell you, uh, this place is not your home. Bad news for some people. If you want to follow me this morning, you would have to turn to Echoes of Calvary, November, October 7th, 2007. I was minding my own business this morning, as usual. And I heard on the radio, on Echoes of Calvary, Pastor Lee starting with his continuing, sorry, with his continuing um, teaching. And he started from 1 Peter, chapter 1, starting at verse 13. That's exactly where I'm starting. So please, turn there with me as we look at what this fisherman has to say to us, the body of Christ. Now, let me give you a little bit further information. Pastor Lee this morning took about 10 minutes, and he only did two verses. I calculated approximately five minutes per verse. I would like to go all the way to verse 25. Isn't that not ambitious? <laughs> wow. If I take at least five minutes, that looks like a little over an hour. <laughs> but somebody told me this morning I might be long but short-winded. So, um, stay with me, but I'm going to ask you to please read this again and slow it down, because I think it is of some good stuff. Reading from the NAS. Therefore, gird your mind for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you address as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time you stay among or upon earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, Fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. End Nowadays, it is common expectations for an individual applying for a job to attach his or her resume, and similarly, sometimes for a job, or maybe sometimes when persons are called to speak or to present at various functions to provide a personal curriculum vitae, so that proper introductions may be made. In both cases, the information required is provided by the applicant or the presenter themselves. What is your resume like? First of all, do you know that you have one? Do you know that God has already written your personal resume? Now, I don't want to deprive you of all the tantalizing pleasure of reading it for yourself in the first nine verses of this chapter in First Peter. But suffice it to be that Scripture tells us that we are aliens, verse 1. We are aliens here 
our citizenship is in heaven. That's why I said to you this morning, good morning, aliens. Now, it is possible that there might be seated among us this morning persons who may not have yet placed faith in Jesus Christ. Well, in a sense, they are aliens as well because this earth is still not their final home. How tragic. But for us as believers, we are told that our citizenship is in heaven. So, on your resume, you can say that you are an alien. But it says something else, that you have been chosen by the foreknowledge of God the Father. I like that. You have been chosen by God the Father. You have also been bought and washed. In other words, you have been paid for and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we had the wonderful opportunity this morning as we sat around the Lord's table and we reflected, we thought about, pondered the significance of the Lord's table and his blood. Not only are we aliens and that we have been chosen, that we have been bought and washed, we have been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We have been recipients of the abundant grace and peace. These are things on your resume, brothers and sisters. You have been born again, verse 3, by the God's great mercy. Isn't that good news? That you have been born again by God's great mercy. You and I are recipients of a living hope versus a dead hope. Here's something else that we are reminded of on our resume that was written for us, given to us by God himself. That we have an inheritance. That is imperishable that is undefiled, fadeless, reserved for us in heaven. And guess what else with this inheritance? Our inheritance is protected or guarded by God. Isn't that good? Our inheritance is protected or guarded by God. Now, not all of us have the privilege of having anybody leave us anything other than some clothes if they could fit you or if they are in vogue for the day and then most likely you pack all of them up and you take them to another place not too far from here. But whatever is left that you think you probably want to use, you probably took it to um, a place that probably provide security system, put it in a safety deposit box. Maybe it's a very special jewelry in the family, and you place it because of its sentimental value. But do you understand? I understand some time ago that banks get robbed. They still do that? Yeah. And sometimes they carry the whole safe, you know, um, move the bank. Not very secure, is it? But our inheritance is guarded or protected by God himself. And here's something else. We have ample opportunity for faith growth. I said to you before, once at least, 
You ever hear people saying, Lord, give me faith and give me grace? And we ask for these things very flippantly. And God takes you seriously because he says, you want to have stronger faith? Well, okay, let's see who I can send into your life to grow. We'll start with the traffic on the street. Okay, and then there's somebody in the family or in the office or, or just sometimes people come out of left field so that you can build up your faith. Otherwise, you will have weak faith. But we have the opportunity. So on your resume, say that you have the opportunity and you're almost looking forward to it. So don't complain about prayer. That's an opportunity for your faith to grow. We also have a salvation of our souls. And here's another thing. We have joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. You ever had joy? Thanks, Ms. Andre. Your daughter's name is Joy. Barbara, Joy. Thank you. But uh, Susandra mentions another thing, in addition to having joy. She did say why she was up to that she was expecting. Um, with the color that she was wearing. But have joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Wow. Have you ever had that feeling that you can't express it? You, you just go speechless. And you, you may be groomed. Wow. This is our resume, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, fellow aliens. Our resume looks good. I don't know about you, but this makes me feel good. We have been chosen by God, bought and washed by Jesus Christ, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We've been born again by God's great mercy. We are the recipient of a living hope, something that is alive and dynamic. We have recipients of this abundant grace and peace, and we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, fadeless, reserved for us in the heaven protected by God and guarded by God. An opportunity to grow. The salvation of our souls. There's no way to describe this other than wow. It is fantastic. With this impressive resume, I have concluded that God expects us to live out these realities while we are here on earth, away from home. He expects us to live a life of holiness. Those chosen by the Father are called to be holy. I said earlier that where God is, this place becomes holy only because God is present. The question is, do you really believe that God is here? Isn't God in you if you are his child? Then I ask, are you holy? Does he expect us to be? Yes. And that is what I believe this passage in Peter from 13 and following is emphasizing, that we are to be holy. And so, fellow aliens, I remind you, according to Scripture, again, that this world is not our home. Don't be distracted. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, do you know that there are those who deny this very basic or fundamental truth, they go to such passages like Luke 12.32 and Revelation 7.9 to erroneously teach that 
or teach their followers that the kingdom of heaven is not their home. And simultaneously, they deprive hundreds of thousands of their devotees of a relationship with God as outlined in the New Testament. And they are therefore convinced that the kingdom of heaven is limited to 144,000 persons, including the 12 apostles. But that's what they teach. And because of their belief of this erroneous doctrine, they said that the number of persons who qualified for heaven was filled in 1935. The last person who qualified to go to heaven was around March 1935. So some of you who were born after that, according to them, no chance. In addition to that, in the Bahamas today, my check tells me that there are less than 10 still living in the Bahamas, those persons who are qualified, who has been given the privilege of living in heaven. You know, um, less than 10. These persons cannot become members of the body of Christ because only those persons who are going to heaven can become members of the body of Christ. And since it can only hold 144,000, the vast majority of those living today are not a part of the body of Christ. They do not believe that they can be born again because those who are born again are only those who are going to heaven. Then they refute, of course, John 3 and 3. They also, because of this belief, they are not entitled to share in what we've just shared in this morning, remembrance of the Lord's table. They do not participate. I visit several times, and what they will do, of course, is pass around the elements. Everybody will hold the cup and the loaf, but they will pass it. Nobody will take it. And the reason is, only those who go into heaven can take it. That's sad. Brother Clinton mentioned earlier, we will be looking at that and many more other teachings tomorrow evening. And so I encourage those persons who have a passion to share with these individuals who are lost according to Scripture when they deprive themselves from these basic fundamental truths, but more importantly, with a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I encourage persons to um, participate in the presentations during the next My brothers and sisters in Christ, again, my fellow aliens, Peter exhorts us in verse 13 of our text, to gird your mind for action. In other words, shore up your mind. Brace up your mind. Develop your mind. Be sharp-minded. Now, I, when I wrote the word sharp, I had to be very careful with sharp. Because sharp changes over time. Because sharp could mean several things. Hey, yep. Sometimes you say, he, he looks sharp. And if you rock your head in the right way, that's a positive thing. 
you know, it probably means that the person is dressed well. But then you can say the person is very sharp, and you may point a little, which may suggest you're thinking intellectually. The person is very witty. See, that's a sharp man. That's a sharp guy. That's a sharp individual. And then, of course, if you say it in another way, you get a sharp mouth, you know. That's another kind of sharp, you know. You know, it doesn't mean that the mouth is being dressed well. <laughs> you know, that's, not, that's, that's a smart mouth. He's sharp. That's, that's, that's all. He's sharp. That's, that's a negative thing. But in the context about this mind of ours, well, let me ask you. Do, do you, well, I'm, I'm thinking from school context. Some teachers in the building like to ask children, maybe you in class once or twice, when sometimes after a summer, a teacher may ask you at some point, what do you want to be when you grow up? You ever heard that question? They still ask that, you know, I heard them ask that to some students. What do you want to be when you grow up? Because it depends on what time of day it is, you know. You know um, they will tell you, you know, I told you before I wanted to be a cook because that's just before lunchtime. Okay. Now, um, <coughs> after lunch is over, I want to be something else. My, my desire for food was already being satisfied. But if you ask the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? May I suggest to you that whatever's involved, there's a development of the mind. Should Christians ever spiritually become, let, let's put it away, spiritually stop growing? Should you stop thinking, stop reading? Do you know that some people say, I do old to learn that? Don't, don't raise your hand. Okay. Um, but some people say that as if, I don't want to read anymore. I, I'm too old. Well, you, you don't understand the, the, the physiology of your brain, the way God has designed it. The more it's designed for constant growth. And when we think spiritually, don't believe that other lie that, you know, because somebody next to you says, child. And watch them sentences that begin with child, you know. Especially if the child go down with, you know, a child, and they go down. That is not going to be something positive. All right. Watch for that. But the mind was developed or designed by God, I believe, to be constantly learning. And look around you. There's so much things to learn. I don't know how you get bored. And some people use that word. I'm so bored. Now, remember, there is no such thing as a thing being bored. There are only boring people, you know. So, and sometimes you bring your boredom to the context of whatever it is that you consider that is boring. You know, like today here is so boring. You know, some people say that, but they don't want to say it because they're supposed to look holy. You ain't fooling me, you know. The point is, we are supposed to be constantly developing the mind. Peter says, gird up your mind. I want to know why he asks us to do that. But he says, for action. The mind is supposed to be constantly, you know, in action, to be alert, to be, to be quick, to be witty, to be able to, to, to see and to diagnose what's going on around you. Here's what it went on to say. Obedience is a conscious act of the will. Christians in today's world of conflict and deceptions need to have a tough-minded holiness that is ready for action. But he says something else after you must develop and gird your mind. He says, keep sober in spirit. In other words, be self-controlled. Be self-controlled. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6, we read these words. So then, let us not sleep 
as others do. But let us be alert and sober. First Peter 5.8, later on in the same book, it says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, you have an adversary, my brothers and sisters, and some of you are sleeping and don't, you live as if it doesn't exist. Your adversary, the devil, in case you want to know who it was, it was not that person who you said, you thought you married. It says the devil, or some other member of the family, or the person across the street, or in the work environment, the devil prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, now I understand why Peter tells us, create up your mind for action, keep sober. Why? Clear right here. Keep sober. By the way, it means that you must be free from every form of mental and spiritual drunkenness. Because normally people who are drunk are not very alert. Keep sober in spirit. Believers should be controlled or directed by the Holy Spirit from within. Then he tells us something else that I thought was fascinating here in these early verses. Fix your hope completely, that is without changing or reservation, on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you know what? Even in spite of all that you have already experienced and learned from Scripture, I can say, you ain't seen nothing yet. Wow. Doesn't that, that encourage you to keep pressing on? You know, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. These three, I think, admonitions are needed so that we can, as obedient Christians, do something else he mentions in the following verses. And here it is. Do not conform to the former lust or evil desires of the past. We have to have a mind that is spirited, ready for action. You need to be self-controlled. And the fourth, you need to be sober and fix your hope completely on the grace that is to be brought to you the revelation of Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 2 says something this way. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Ephesians 4, Paul says it this way, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. First Peter 1, it says, but like the Holy One, who called you, be holy yourselves. Also in your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That is a directive given to us directly by God himself to be holy. No excuses. I believe sincerely that relationship leads to one's belief. One's belief leads to one's formulation of one's values. One's values affects your attitude. Your attitude affects your character. May I take it a step further? Put them all together, they eventually affect your destiny. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes. Can you believe those things that he's asked us and he said and given to us? 
Mm-hmm. Then that should affect those things that you value. What is important, what is not? What takes priority, what does not? What about your attitude? How do I know what you believe? I have to observe. So I watch you live it out. And so as holy aliens on this planet, shouldn't we live differently from the world around us and not to be conformed, pressed into by the world around us? As obedient children of God, our lifestyle should and must reflect not our former ignorance where God was excluded, but the holy nature of our Heavenly Father who gave us new birth and called us his own. Think about it. What is it that you got from your parents? What feature? You know? You thinking? Are you listening to me? What is it that you say, or someone may have said to you, that's you, you just like your pa. No. Now, when you say you're like your pa, that tends to be negative. Um, he's got his father's eyes. That's better, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, or, or his, his mother's smile. Or there may be some other attribute that says, that's, you remind me so much about your mother, your dear mother. Or your, 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 she was a wonderful mother. You know, that, that's fine. What is it do you think that you have that you think you got from your parents? You know? Donna? Yes. <laughs> she looked at me, but she meant she had. All right. I said I, I, I probably got my height. From my dad, I think I surpassed him by four inches, you know. That's because he didn't have enough financial cream like I had, you know. But um, that's what I got, one of the things. Now, maybe other people will tell me other things about what I got maybe from my mom, and they will see things, you know. I've been told when I was shorter that people, as I walked along the settlement of Master Point, that they told me I walked like my dad. I never knew that, and I'm not even convinced that I did walk like him. You know, but what about you? Since I am connected, I should not be so surprised then if because of my DNA came from his DNA. But do you know you also have a heavenly DNA? What about that holiness aspect? Shouldn't that be reflected in your life? That, hey, you, somebody come up to ask you, not only saying who, you, you, who your people is. Could I tell you the story when I was was dating my daughter's mother. Uh, um, <coughs> it, it, it's, it's like this, you know. <coughs> it, um, I, I went to, to um, uh, uh, the first time I went there, they didn't say anything, but I, I told you before, they, they had this audience, just people sit around the porch to see who came out of the vehicle. And um, I got past that, you know, because I just picked up uh, the, the precious cargo and left. But then as the week went on, I understand that the mother was doing some background search on me. You know, I, I was disgusting, you know, but, but they did it anyhow. But, and here's what they were checking. Maybe to find out uh, some pedigree, you know. I, I don't know, but I, I understand that they found out that, hey, Eva Mandra. <clears throat> now, it depends on whatever or prior exposure uh, they had about Andros, more so Andros' man. That's another story. But they found out if a man was. Now, I didn't know. This is before they found us out post those things. Okay. But they've been asking, well, well who he people is. 
beyond event. I said I had a not. Now, in our ongoing discussion with my um, state and Spanish Luciana, I said who my aunt was. One was named Marie. I had a, a viola <coughs> in, in name in the family. And this is for Mandra. And some other names that seem similar to um, my daughter's mother's people. <coughs> so um, when now she told that to her mother, I don't know what they were discussing, but they ended up talking about that Andrew's man. Um, then they found out that there were some similar names. So the mother now thinking, aha, these must be family. And if they're family, that's a no-no. Well, Andres is long. <laughs> and why? So there might be some similarities, but some people she knows is from the south. I start in the middle and go north. So no connection. But it's important to find out who your people is. So when you go out to work and they ask you, who may you be? That's how the older people might ask you. Who may you be? You know. Then you might say, I may be, and then start there. But I want you to be holy. <laughs> I want you to be holy. That's what God is asking. Be ye holy as I am holy. And we can do it because God wouldn't ask us to be something that he is not, expects us, enable us to be. Is that right? Of course. If we call the one who judges impartially God our Father, then this alone should lead us to obeying him in reverential fear. Not that scary one, but out of reverence. We are to live according to his absolute standards while we are here on this earth. This is evidenced by the tender conscience of watchfulness against um, temptation and, and avoidance of the things that would displease God our Father. And there should be no intimacy with your former empty lifestyle which was controlled or conformed by the world's shifting values and situational ethics. Now, now, if you are asking, but why? I'm so glad you asked. Because here it says in verse 18 through 19, knowing that you were not redeemed. Let me slow this down. Because we read this too many times in the past and didn't slow it down so it can really assimilate into you. Here it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things. Let me explain. Do you know my daddy and mommy? I've been born. I've been born again. But what I got from mommy and daddy is perishable. You, 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 you. That's going to go to the dogs. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. But, hear this, slow it down. You would redeem them with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. That's how you've been, that's the process, that's the means through the precious blood. You and I have been redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, fellow aliens, that's expensive stuff. No, no, that, that's priceless. You, you see, you can't really know the full appreciation of this Precious blood. You, you ever been hungry? I mean, really hungry. I do. Now, some of you are always hungry. Doesn't matter when you feed you. Or you always. But you really don't know how. 
to be without. You ever hear somebody say, I hungry like a dog? Sometimes they put the dog in the front and they say, dog gone hungry, you know. Some people hungry. I mean, without, you ever been thirsty, really thirsty? I don't mean between 7 o'clock and 7.30. You say, I'm so thirsty. I mean without liquid for an extended period of time. I'm thinking several days. But some of you already say I did. Mentally, you already give up. You know, you, you're killing me. But you really have, you can't appreciate a little bit of water or something to drink unless you, had, you feel parched, you know, really dehydrated. Food, same thing. Unless you are without food for an extended period of time, when somebody says, here's a little bit, just pick and choose. You know, say, I want that. Boy, if you're really hungry, read the bark of a tree. You know, if you've really been hungry. You really don't appreciate the fear unless you, or, or courage, unless you've been afraid. Have you ever been really afraid, what we call like a paralyzing fear? Never had that experience. But child, once upon a time, you had a child? Y'all gotta pay attention if you uh, Once upon a time, there was a hurricane that came in the Bahamas, it was still great coming in. And that some shingles had blown off the house, and I went up on the roof in the afternoon to, to do it. You know, um, this is a little small, so eh, I could do this. You know, and, and the rest of the people who live in the house with me, they're going for a ride. This was around 5:30ish, uh, you know, when it was cool, you know, because you didn't want to go up on the roof, you know, um, and uh, I was putting the shingle on as we moved towards the air. Now, I, I didn't have any other means to, from the ground, and it's a, like a two-story building, so I had to be up on the roof. It's a little, you know, this is not something I could stand on. Despite what it looks like, I couldn't reach the ground from there by stretching my hand out. Don't, don't think like that. But from the roof, as I was working on this going out, then I, I heard the car pull out, which means everybody has abandoned me, you know, who lived in the house, and they left. And I don't know, as I inch down, because I'm seated on this sloping roof towards the edge of the thing, and I don't know where it came from, but it was like this big ball constrictor of air. <laughs> it's already getting dark. And then I, I couldn't move. It's like, it's that mind thing. And I start replaying my, imagining me on the ground. You know, didn't voluntarily go there, because I see now, if I move just one little bit further, I'm going to do a flip, you know, and I, when they come home, they probably won't even go, to, I check right away. Um, they will find this, this pile of bones with clothes on, you know, right over here, you know, but I was there, which felt like a long time, just sitting there and couldn't move, and then I, I start to talk to yourself, so what you thinking about, boy? You know, snap out of that, you know. And then I started to do the moonwalk. You know, this little moonwalk. This was sitting. So I crawled back up, you know, up the roof to get out of there, you know. That's fair. You know, you don't know what it is to be in a loving relationship unless you have not been in one. Until you have encountered the kiss of deception and selfishness and neglect and abuse, you don't know what it is to have a real purpose for waking up in the morning. Unless, of course, you have been clothed with this hopelessness of your worth and of others and, of course, of the world and the existence itself. 
what about redemption? And this is what is so precious about the redemption that we have. You don't know what the value of your redemption is unless you could really be confronted with the filth of your depravity and of your debaseness and your destiny. If you understand where you're going, when Jesus said, come, you would run to him if you really understand that. And so when he says, you are redeemed by the precious blood, if you really pause to recognize the importance and the significance of that, you, know, you have to see where you come from. But some people don't recognize where they are. You see, you and I have been purchased from the putrid slave market of sin, and we have this eternal separation from God, not with useless commodities like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of the spotless and perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself. But isn't it amazing that there are some slaves in the market of sin headed for this priceless eternity who believes that they are doing just fine, just fine without God? You know, and they're hoping that someday in the future, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll put my faith, my trust in him. How ludicrous. And yet there are those, some of us who have, have this wonderful, impressive resume, who've already been taken off the slave market of sin, and yet we live as if we're right back on the same downhill. You know, snap out of it. Somehow you must have missed it. They, those persons must not have gotten the the last memo, or have not read the scripture that tells us that we are free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. And we have this impressive resume. First John, uh, John 1, 29 says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They haven't heard it. And it is our responsibility to tell them. This payment was planned before the creation of the world by God the Father. It was revealed or actualized by God the Son. And those who accept this payment for their sin on his behalf, on their behalf are eternally sealed by the Holy Spirit. And as I rush to this hasty conclusion, I note with keen interest that an appropriate response to our new birth should be a life of holy living. This should be evident by our sincere love for the brethren and the sisterin. There is a change in relationship first with God, and then with his children. I don't understand how you can say, I love God. I can't stand your children. That don't make sense in my head. You understand that? As a child of God, and as a child of God, that should almost be automatic. I love God. I love his children. We are to sincerely love the brethren. First God, and then his children. A changed life is a life that has been purified by the truth of God's word. It allows one to love purely. Purely. Not this surface stuff. Purely those who share the same faith. For you have been born not of seed which is perishable. I like that. But imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh, verse 24, is like grass and its glory like the flower of grass, and the grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of God abides forever. And you and I have been born by the word of God. God says you do this, and God don't lie, does he? So if you do this, I'll do this. And you said, okay, in faith you stepped in and you believe God. Now that God is your time, do your part. And he's done that. And that results in what we call the new birth. And this birth, this is not perishable. This one lasts forever. I conclude by the way Peter concludes. 
And this is the word which is preached to you today. Amen?